This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Hi, I'm Heather Renee May, and this is Flipping Dreams Podcast. One, two, three, four. Good chat to be a sectary. Good, good be an Hey, um, this is Heather Renee May with Flipping Dreams, and I'm here with a special guest today, Ollie Pettigrew, and he is just a really fascinating person, um, has a really interesting background with uh, modeling, TV, media, living all over the world, really, and now settling in Texas, the Englishman in Texas. So, um, Ollie, welcome to Flipping Dreams podcast. Thank you very much for the invite. Yeah, yeah, super. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you about all the things, your journey, and like maybe we can start there if you want to give me just a little bit of like, how did you end up in Waco? That's so interesting that you asked that question because um, the videos that I do with uh, that Englishman in Texas, um, I recorded one yesterday, which I haven't posted, but with my wife, because that is the number one question I get asked um, by everybody. And the, the thing is that I've been doing that Englishman Texas now for almost exactly a year. This is like just like the anniversary, basically. And I've never actually answered that question because it's such a long story. The, the, the Cliff Notes version is, is I married a Texan. You know, my, my wife, she comes from just south of Waco. She comes from a, a family that basically her whole family lives still in the same town where they were born, apart from one of them who's moved down to, to sort of Houston area. But... um. She was kind of the black sheep of the family. She was kind of like me, that she sees a, a horizon and she wonders, well, what's on the other side of that? So we actually met in Singapore. So I was in Singapore. I was, uh, I was 23. I just got into full-time modeling at the time. I was just, you know, goofing around, having a good time. And um, and then I met my my future missus. She just walked in. We were literally just talking about this, but she walked into the lobby uh, of the York Hotel in Singapore on her first day in Singapore for a casting. And um, the, the, the way the story goes is essentially she had a whole life in Texas. She was married at the time. Um, and she'd basically just decided that this has all been a mistake. It was not working out. This was not for her. Um, her husband, who I'm ex-husband, but uh, who uh, I'm good mates with, we've always got on great. You know, he was just, um, you know, nice guy, just not right for them. They're just the couple wasn't right. So she goes, I'm out. I'm leaving. She jumps on a plane to Singapore, um, leaves her life behind, leaves everything that she knows, just goes on an adventure. And the very first person she meets on the very first morning at the very first casting was her next husband. Is the weirdest <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, Does she ever think now like, dang it, wish I, I wish I could have had just a couple more options. Right? Before I know, you're not, not much for browsing, are you, dear? <laughs> it's just like this one. I'll take that one right here. That weird guy with the British accent. I'll go for that guy. Um, so, so that's the quickest version of it, but the, lo the long, long version, it goes along the lines of, I, um, the last 16 years. So funny enough, um, September 2nd was the anniversary of the end of my last TV show, which was called right this minute, which I worked on for eight years. Um, but to go from September 2nd and you, you basically go back 16 and a half years, I was working in television for that entire 16 and a half years. So I, from my first TV show, which was for the 2006 World Cup, which went into a tech show called Technomax, which became a long show called Sony Style, which became then I was driving, I was doing Lonely Planet, Food Network, Discovery Channel. I drove the Cash Cab. So I've worked on sort of like 18, 18 TV shows in my, in my career. And then um, like a year ago, the show ended. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't working. Like, you know, since I'd gone into the professional television realm. Was I, that scary? Very. Yeah, yeah, very. And then and then we just like it was um we were we're pretty good about plans, backup plans. You know, my missus has always got plan A, plan B, plan C all the way to Z. And um, but we had like just a run of bad luck. You know, just a run of bad luck. Even we're trying to sell our house. We're like, all right, cool, we can sell the house in Arizona. 
and we'll have some time, but then the market's crashing at that exact time. It, usually you could, you, a house would be on the market for minutes and the two weeks that we were away on the vacation that we had planned right around the time the show gets canceled. So we're now spending money we don't have kind of thing. But we're like, you know what? We're going on this adventure. We're doing it. Um, yeah, it was like, it was like a one, two, three, four, five punch of just like, oh my God. And so we actually bought this house. I have a house in Texas. We've had it for nearly 10 years, but we bought it six weeks before I had my first casting when my green card came through. And that was right this minute. So they said, cool, can you move to Arizona next week? So I technically lived in Texas for 10 years, but um, I was visiting for two. I was flying a hundred times a year from oh on weekends from my show. Uh, and then, uh, so I've just completed my first full year in Texas. Um, and it's uh, honestly been a magical experience. It's been quite, like I said, tough. And then there's been struggle, but with struggle comes creativity. And then with creativity comes sort of all these things I've always wanted to do, which is kind of what I'm doing right now. So now I'm doing the, the uh, That Englishman in Texas videos every, every weekday. Um, I've got my movie podcast, um, The United States of a Movie. And then I, uh, I'm also I'm doing uh, improv. So I'm now doing part of an improv, improv troupe as well. So once a month I get up and I just get on stage and goof around. And it just, it's all these things I never felt I had the time for because I was working so hard in TV. So it's like if you're working, you know, all the time, which I was doing right this minute, eight years of just 52 week show. For the first five years, I had 10 days off a year. And, and like I said, my weekends are filled with flying that um, I honestly almost broke myself. I pushed myself past the point um, and I started like just basically breaking down. So while it was great making a bunch of money. <laughs> sure. So I'm now at this point where I'm like, you know, not, but I've built this thing now. I'm building this this thing that is all mine. It's all me. And it's like, so I'm I'm interested to see where, I, where I'll be a year from now. I'll tell you what, I'll come back on the show next year. Yes. Exactly a year from now. And we'll I would, talk about where we are. <laughs> I would love that. And before we go into like where you are now and where you're going, um, I want to just circle back on a couple of things because I feel like it's so um, serendipitous or like you, the whole Flipping Dreams podcast, um, the the premise is this idea of uh, resiliency and that it's not something that you're born with. It's something that you learn over time and you can build. It's kind of a muscle. And the fact that like sometimes you have to make those big dramatic changes to live your best life. And so it sounds like you were partnered with the right person to begin with who, who already was like, okay, no problem. I'm going to just totally ditch my life and go to Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, probably helped you through that process as well of like, this isn't great. We've got to, you know, things <laughs> got to make a change. My, my missus is, um, is the ultimate support network. She, uh, she's incredible, but she is just like me. I mean, she's completely different. Right. I mean, that's the thing that was so interesting about meeting her. I mean, if you'd told me, you know, all those years ago, Ollie, you're going to end up marrying a Texan. Like, really? <laughs> like, no way. But um, is that, you know, so we're like, um, like uh, six years. So I'm, I'm quite, I'm younger than her. And I was always like, you know, when I met her, I'm like brand new in modeling. She's 16 years into a 25 year modeling career. Right. She was a top model, traveled the world. But she and I, are very much the kind of people that are like, you've sometimes got to just jump. You know, we we talk with our, our nieces and nephews. Um, we've got so many, so many nieces and nephews here in Texas. And the one thing is I always tell them is that you you don't know. Because I'd say, go to a country. And they go, well, what am I going to do there? Where am I going to stay? What? And I go, you'll figure it out. Land there first. Just go. Yes. And then get in. Okay, figure out how do I get into the city? Okay, then find a hotel. Cool. Then meet some people and just the entire trajectory of your life will change. And that's the thing I say to everybody, but specifically to my, you know, my nieces and nephews who have got this adventurous spirit, but at the same time, I've in many ways never left Texas. So, you know, now we've got some of them who are like, oh, I've just gone off to Panama. I'm like, yes, go. And then I've got my other nephew who's just got his passport. I'm like, yes. Do it. My recommendation really for people is, is if you don't, you know, my wife was just saying, we lived our life in reverse. You know, we're now, you know, see, um, you know, I'm like 42 and she's like, uh, like um, 21. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. don't get into trouble. Oh, she doesn't. Don't worry. She's uh, she's not that kind of lady. She's like, she's got her beautiful silver hair and she owns her life. I do love her hair, it's actually. Ma it's majestic. It's, yes. <laughs> um, but it's like, is that, 
we lived a life that in many ways, um, let's say even her dad didn't understand like, no, 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 you go and you do a job for 40 years and you give your life for a company and then you retire. And I'm like, yeah, but at that point, like adventure is so hard. Whereas, you know, all through our twenties and thirties, we were just on an adventure and each of us went to 40 something countries um, and, and just saw things that blew our minds that, that that's kind of the same, same thing we say to our children. I think I'd say that one thing I think America should do that they don't enough is what the UK and Australia and, and do very, 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 it's a big thing is that we take gap years. Mm. A gap year, I think, is the most important thing someone can do because you've had a trajectory of 18 years where you have, if you're just like, you know, you've been in school and, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to be this. Now, at the age of 18, I wanted to be an RAF pilot. I wanted to be two things. I wanted to either be on TV because everyone said you should be on television. You never stop talking. And like the other one was I wanted to be an RAF pilot. I wanted to fly fast jets. I wanted to be Maverick. Right. It was just the cool. I'm obsessed with planes. I love them. I'm one of those adults. Anytime you hear a plane or a helicopter going out, I run outside. I'm like, oh, look, it's an H64D longbow. You know, my wife is like, that's nerdy, but hot. And uh, (laughs) but it's like, you know, I was going to I was meeting with the RAF. They were going to sponsor me through through college. Um, And then I took a gap year. My mom and dad were in Hong Kong at the time. And um, my mom just sort of made me. She says, I've got an appointment for you today. Okay. And it was at a modeling agency. And I never would have walked in by myself. But my mom goes, go in. Monday, I walked in. Wednesday was my first casting. Friday was my first shoot. And here I am, 18, making 50 pounds an hour to have my picture taken. And I'm like, this is 10 times more than I've ever been paid in my life. Well, this, is, this isn't bad. And then I ended up being um, a bad guy in, a, in an action movie called uh, Gen Y Cops with Paul Rudd, you know, Ant- Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah, so Ant- Paul Rudd shot me with a sniper rifle. Uh, it's called, it's actually on Amazon prime. Don't watch it. It's called, it's called Gen Y cops. It's terrible. Uh, and I'll give you money if you can spot me, but I'm like, this is a, this is a way you can make money. And so for the rest of college, when I'm based in England, I was dating a girl in Hong Kong and you know, you're only at college like four months a year. So the rest of the time I'm in Hong Kong and I'm modeling part-time and things like that, which then led to a trip to Singapore where I was going to go for two weeks. 12 years later, I left with a wife, two kids and a TV career. So it's like, you never know. You You just never know what's going to happen. And I think the gap year forces a change. It forces you to actually assess, is that what I want to do? You go to a place that's not your home. So now you're forced to go, who am I? How am I going to survive? You have to learn those skills of meeting other people. And then wait, you're you're learning to scuba dive? Maybe I want to scuba dive. And you just... If you'd never do anything different, nothing different will ever happen. And it doesn't mean that you won't, like my wife, after going on a 20-year adventure, she's come back to Texas. But she goes, yeah, well, I could die tomorrow and have no regrets. I've seen so much. I've done so much. And the worst part of it is when you see the opposite, when someone, you know, they work their entire life at something and they've been told there's a reward at the end, but you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to drop dead. You don't know if something's going to happen. You're going to get sick. Your back's not going to work. Your legs, now you can't go and climb Kilimanjaro. I'm telling the kids, like, these nieces and nephews, I'm like, look, if you have the opportunity, go. Because once you get married, now you've got kids. Now you're 45 years old. Now you're 50. Now you're 60. And it's like life vanishes. So, you know, you've got to go. It it does. It's so true. I mean, I love that so much. I definitely, I think I took a gap lifetime, not a yeah, year. <laughs> me too. I've done a 25 year gap Still on life. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know it ended. But um, it is so sad when I meet people that are like, have never left or just, you know, thought that they had this, you know, way back, my parents, you know, their version of life was was just that. You work really hard, you do all the things, and then maybe you retire and then you have fun when you retire. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you don't know if you're going to be around or not. And you don't know if you're even going to have the energy to go anywhere. And quite honestly, it's really easy to get complacent and lazy. Yeah. And then you just, and then you're just comfortable. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is just what I do. I go here, I go there. This is my place that I eat. And uh, yeah, you see it. And it, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's, you know, if that, well, if that's what makes you happy, because I'm not going to lie, you know, at my age now being in Texas, with the wildness that I've lived, it's been nice to have just a little simplicity and some time to focus um, on my my wife and my kids and also just focus on me and look inside myself. 
and what do I want to be? So there's definitely, oh, there's definitely um, benefit to it. I mean, you literally just heard me say, you know, I worked myself to the point that I, 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 you know, basically was giving myself a breakdown. I had a breakdown because I, you know, I found myself to be invincible. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I can do this. I can work this. I don't need to sleep here. I can, no, no, no. Human beings can break. Oh. And, uh, you know, I had stuff surface from, um, you know, why I went to boarding school and at boarding school, I tell all these stories and they are quite traumatic when you tell them and people are like going, oh my God. I go, no, 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 this is what, you know, gave me my drive and gave me my confidence. But, uh, but in all honesty, um, in the last couple of years, it, it manifested like all of these repressed trauma came out and they were being manifested with these panic attacks and things like that, that I had to then, I took a trip. I went out to Asia and, uh, and my, where my parents live. And I just talked to my brother and I talked to my parents and I, you know, I said, I, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm actually a little angry about this. And I, but I talked it out and it's like, you, you, you get there, but, but yeah, it had, I just stayed at home and just like not talked about it and not thought about it. You know, no, my missus was like, no, you've got to go, go to Asia, take a trip, break the cycle, talk about it. You know, and that's, that's what I mean is it's breaking the cycle is kind of what you're saying is like, hundred percent. as soon as you do it, it's great. <laughs> it's so liberating. Yeah. And then you realize like all of the guilt or all of the things that you had, you were holding on to all of this like idea, this false sense of yourself, mm -hmm. you can finally be free of and be like, well, who, who am I really? Like, what do, yes. what do I really want to do? And not what I should do or what it's everyone so expects. It's cliche, but you really will find yourself when you go looking for it. Don't they like in Australia do like, is it a walkabout, the same thing where you yeah. go like off and, you know? <laughs> you know, the only reason I can say yeah to that is one of my favorite movies as a kid was Crocodile Dundee. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> that's what he's doing at the yes. end of the movie. He's going to go walkabout. And it's like, oh, yeah, he'll just, uh, you know, go for a think about things. But it's like you do. I mean, that's why I like to sort of, I go to Cameron Park and I run. And and I, I'd stopped doing that in, as part of my life. And I realized that a lot of my solutions come to me when I don't think about it. I've learned to not directly think about things. I let them stew. And there's a really great way to stew is to do something that takes your mind off it. Some people might cross stitch or whatever. I found that just sort of running, it's just you come back and, oh, I've solved the problem. It's just there in, in your head. And it's like, you know, I get the same thing from sort of travel sometimes is you just go to a place and you're looking at the ocean and my brain switches off. Oh, 100%. I used, I've used i been traveling since I was a kid, flying solo by myself as a kid in planes to go to Kansas every summer to visit and be with my grandparents. And I've traveled all over. And, mm -hmm. and um, I always loved getting, I mean, I know flight, airlines have changed, obviously. Yeah. I still, but in my mind, I still remember the fun airlines that had space where you, everyone got a little meal and you, you know, all of that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you see the pictures from like, you know, the fifties and sixties yeah. of people on planes and there's like a carvery yes. and it's like, Oh, can you imagine what it's going to be like in the future? Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but I do remember like every time I, I loved about the thing I loved about travel and even driving, um, is this idea that you, can like kind of leave yourself and you kind of like disconnect and you're up in the air in these clouds and you can just kind of let your mind go and you can just kind of like be whoever you want to be and think whatever you want to think and it's just kind of you're disconnected from your reality or you know your your place at home or anything that's going on um i i just i love that not like i was trying to escape myself but it's almost like finding yourself a hundred percent i'm i love that you bring that up because that's actually i'm my wife loves the road trip. So like she she gets that from driving. I got it from flying that I was doing, you know, for for nine months we were living when we moved to Texas 10 years ago. Um, we were still working on our TV shows in Singapore. But Singapore is so expensive that it was $17,000 a month cheaper to live in Texas and to pay for our own flights back. So I, I was flying, as was my missus, every 10 days or so, 33-hour commute. Oh my gosh. Um, to Singapore and back, you know, to, to shoot and then we'd come back and work. So I would often be, you know, I was a pro at, at flying. Um, you know, it's all economy, but you can just once you get used to it, you get used to it. But it's the, yeah, it's the three o'clock in the morning. It's black. Everyone's asleep. And, um, and I'm awake. And I'm looking out the window or I'm just sitting in my seat. And I would get so introspective that there have been many times that I'm on this flight and I'm crying. Um, you know, I'm just having a glass of wine and I'm sitting there in silence and it's like, you've got nothing to do but be with yourself and your thoughts. And I'm having these self-realization moments or I'm coming up with the, by the time the plane lands, I've planned the next five years, I've got it. I know what's gonna happen. But it's also those moments of like, 
just being so real with yourself again. Am I crying right now? Oh, I'm I'm crying right now. Okay. But it's like, yeah, exactly like you said, you, what it is. I don't know what it is. I think it's like, it's like you're just suspended in time almost. Yeah, flying through so the air. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you're among the clouds it's, where the ideas are. Yeah. Okay. Well, this leads to my question of your favorite mode of transportation, because I feel like I love traveling in all different ways. I love flying. I love driving. I just spent two and a half years in an RV, you know, towing it all around the country. I love boats. I mean... I don't know. What's what's your favorite? You know, I think the one that I've never done that I have a certain romanticism about is I'd love to take a um, like a, a cruise, but not a cruise cruise. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. almost like the old kind of cruise would be kind of thing. And also um, like uh, I've tried I've pitched it with my missus. We've almost done it a couple of times, but it's the um, a long train journey, Ooh. you know, so across yeah. America. So I know there's one that you can do. That goes from, um, I think it's Seattle to, to, to Glacier National Park yep. and back. That I'm like, we should do that. That's <laughs> but, really fun. So yeah, there's something romantic about a train. Like, so I did, um, I remember doing a fashion show on the Orient Express. That's so cool. it was really cool. So it went out of Singapore, went into Malaysia, went about three hours into Malaysia, stopped. And there was a bit of a party and it came back. And so it was kind of interesting. I've never done a fashion show like it, but you know, so our two changing areas were either side of five cars. So you'd walk one way get into this thing, change, then walk back the other way, then into that costume and change. And you go back up and down the uh, up and down the train. But what was really fun is that once we got to the end area, like the, the halfway point, then it was done. And then you just invite all the models to come socialize. So for us, it's just free drinks. And ooh, I'm on the Orient Express and we're just hanging out, having a chat. And I was like, oh, that was kind of like a bucket list thing because I just grew up, you know, with, you know, murder on the Orient Express and like, all these yeah. kind of things that I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, bucket list tick. That's... I've been on the Orient Express, you know, so that's that that one I think is like it drives me crazy actually about America is you are a country built on the back of rail, right? You the entire country was conquered on the back of, of the railway. And then you guys were like, we're done. I mean, like, you know, I'm in Shanghai. I'm on a 350 mile an hour maglev train. I'm in Japan and I'm going to Kyoto at 300 miles an hour on a train that doesn't even feel like it's moving. Um, I'm in London and you can, uh, in the UK and you can take a train from the main line to the branch line. You can get to any village via train. The fact that I cannot jump on a train and get from Houston to Dallas, the fact that I can't jump on a train from Dallas to LA or to New York is wild to me. I, I, I think, and it's like, um, I, I'm got nothing against capitalism, but capitalism is important. But in America, it's capitalism with a capital C is how I describe it, which is like, the few making the money at the cost of what's actually the best. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, a lot of people forget that it's a plot point in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, just FYI. But LA used to have an incredible integrated transport system. Mm -hmm. And then the car companies bought the politicians, closed down the trolleys, forced people to drive, and now we all sit in traffic. Yeah. Like, have you ever been to Houston, Austin, Dallas? You know, that's why I live in Waco, because it's like, it's not, <laughs> it's like Mad Max out there on the highways of like, you know, um, of Texas. And I'm like, you should be able to just jump on a train. Yeah. And you can the rest of the world. I can yeah. jump on, we jumped on a train in London and we got off in Paris, you know, two hours later. Yeah. And it's not like we don't have trains. We do. There's one that goes through Waco mm -hmm. every day, yeah. twice a day, maybe. I'm amazed it's not a steam train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's funny. And then like there was the automobile and then flights, right? So like mm -hmm. the flyover states, I was, uh, I don't know if you've ever read William Lee's Heat Moon, no. his blue highways. And he's got, um, he's got some really great travel books and he's very esoteric and writes about just really the, the, the experience of the United States and gives a lot of history as well. And, you know, a lot of the things he was talking about was like, you know, once the automobile, you know, when it first started, being in the car traveling was the destination. Like mm -hmm. you would stop off at Little America and get your cone for 25 cents. You would stop off at these places. You would get off the side of the road and see some sort of monument and then you keep going. And now it's like get from one point A to point B. We don't yeah. even care. We don't care about any, we don't care about the roadside cafe that serves the best chicken fried steak. We just go. Yeah, which is the which is the plot point of the movie Cars. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I love movies. Hence I was going to say podcast. your podcast, yeah. That's where I was. Shameless plug. I grew up on <laughs> on American movies, which is why I think my my mom always joked I was born American. It's no surprise to me that I live here because I just I ate that sort of stuff up. But you're exactly right. Is that you know there's no better way to see Texas than getting off I-35. Mm. 
for and, sure. and take the back roads. And you go through the little towns. And so I did a whole bunch of videos where I was driving Highway 6. I was Eastland, Heiko, Dublin, and they'd all look like they'd invited me out. You know, they said, come out with, you can be a judge for our steak cook-off, our rib cook-off and things. And it's exactly like you're saying is that's, that's the best kind of adventure is that take the old roads that we used to do. Stop trying to race across the country and just tick off a box like yeah. i visited this yeah. thing now done, i'm done i got done. i got a sticker a badge and then, like yeah. i remember once my missus we we're going to go back actually i've been planning this but i um one of my first things i found that i loved in texas was shiner bog i've been meaning to do a video it's the best beer in the world when i travel i don't know lone star they're sitting <laughs> it's i can get it right but when i travel every time i went to a country i'd find whatever their their, their local beer you know if you're in canada you're drinking kokani if you're in china you're drinking Qingdao. if you're in uh you know, sing a beer if we're in Thailand. And, um, you know, so I was like, oh, it's the Texas beer. I'll try it. I loved it so much that one Christmas, uh, a few years later, my wife bought me like a tour of Shiner, the Shiner Brewery in Texas kind of thing. But nice. instead of driving down I-35 and then going over, we went across I-35 and took sort of back roads the entire way. And it was, you know, um, the time of year we're doing it was spring. It was the first spring I'd seen in Texas and it's all the wildfires are out. Yes. And we're going through these small towns. Ladybird, thanks and, to her. Yeah, right. And then we're just, the, it, the road isn't just dead straight. It's just, it's easing itself left and right. And so it took maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes longer, but it was by far <laughs> a more interesting and wonderful drive of like, oh, wow. Oh, we should come back to this town. Oh, what's this place? You know, and it's like the same sort of thing is that, that you find is like the best burgers. I mean, I can tell you right now, the best burger, uh, you can find it at uh, the Horny Toad Bar and Grill in Cranfield's Gap. I drove 50 miles on farm to market roads, took an hour and a half detour because a follower had said, you should try it. Yeah. I don't know. The Alamo Cafe is is pretty good too in Alamo Springs. So like we could, we should do like a burger. We should. Like I got another one for you. Andice, Texas. Mm -hmm. Andice, it's about 60 minutes south of where we are right now. Um, it is a town that is just a general store, essentially. I mean, you could, if you go to Seven Iron, you could basically hit a golf ball across this town. But someone was like, yeah, they do great burgers. So we went there and they really do. It's the, you got to go to the general store. There's a town of a hundred people, but they do burgers and they do burgers well. I love that too. And I love the golf reference because I am obsessed with golf. Okay. Like you're obsessed with flying. Like if I could have, <laughs> if I could have like gone into professional golf as when I was younger and learned, but now I just, I, yeah, I, I'm out there all the time. Oh, I like golf. Golf doesn't like me. It's, uh, oh, as no. they say, a perfectly good way to ruin a good walk. It's it's <laughs> absolutely the most ridiculous. It, the thing about golf, the thing that golf does is it makes you humble. Mm -hmm. You cannot have an ego. It's just you. It's it's you. And also, you're not going to hit the same shot the same way consistently throughout the round. Like, mm -hmm. And so it's perfectly maddening. And it's great. It just humbles you. You have to laugh. And if, yeah. you, if you aren't laughing, then yeah, you probably should stop playing. You, it's, you are it's so fun. correct. Because I used to play with my brothers and my dad when we were younger. And it was just... Every round involved anger <laughs> and, and, and the, just the brothers getting angry at each other. And it just, honestly, it sucked all the fun of it. I stopped playing for like 10 years and then I just grew up and I was like, well, you know, I don't care about my score. It's actually about hanging out with my dad and my brothers and just going for a round of golf. And, uh, and that's what it became. And I became a lot happier. I was like, yeah, I just go out and oh, you know, suddenly I had an amazing round here or there. I'm like, that was fun. But if I also shoot 150, I go, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Want to go get a beer? <laughs> well, you get your money's worth that way, I feel yeah. like. so. And, and it was like my dad loves golf. And in fact, he runs, um, my mom and dad have got a travel, a golf travel company called Golf Savers. So basically, it's like they created a product that um, it survived the pandemic because it's a really good company. But it's a clever idea of that if you want to go play golf in Asia, like right now, if you went to golfsavers.com, you would be able to buy your flight, your hotel, your transfers, your golf tee times and everything all in the same place. And they take care of it for you. That so, is brilliant. So they've always worked in the travel industry, but they were like, let's go, let's go down the Texas, uh, sorry, the um, the golf route. Um, so my dad is just completely clued into to golf courses in Asia. So when I go out there, I'm playing some of the most beautiful courses in the world. And it's got a little plaque saying, oh, Tiger Woods drove the whole, you know, drove the green and one from here kind of thing. Oh my gosh. So yeah, if you ever want to go play I golf, go to Asia. I will definitely check this out. I got a hook up for you. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Well, coming back to Texas, let's talk about your Englishman in Texas and, um, Maybe I know, at least I read that like some of the premise of the Englishman was like really showing what Texas is, not just what we see in the movies. And I'm really curious about 100%. like that difference and how you kind of first realized that. It's, um, I've, I guess I've kind of known it um, for a long time because 
I remember the first time I said I was coming out here for my first trip. So it's about 18, 19 years ago. I'm coming for Christmas and my wife's about to introduce, my future wife is going to introduce this like 23 year old English guy. <laughs> this is this guy I like. And, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you're going to Texas, you're going to get shot. <laughs> and it's like, and she has three older brothers and whatever, like I thought Texas was, I was surprised But when I got here. And I had a similar experience a year ago when, you know, the show had ended, we moved back and I've never felt more out of place. I felt like a complete fish out of water situation. Um, how am I going to fit into Waco, Texas? How am I going to, you know, with all I've been and all I've done, I, I mean, I don't, I, what can I do here? And so I was so lost. And, and, and it, like I said, it, we'd had a really bad run of things and, and um, it was a really tough spot for us. And out of the woodwork, it was just so much genuine help from the people around us, family, neighbors, people we'd met that, that I really sort of understood is like, and it's something I kind of, I'm honestly, I was just planning tomorrow's video. This is what I'm going to be talking about. So I'm great. It's great that you're asking me, but it's that is Texans see something that needs to be fixed. They'll fix it. They'll, if you're, if a tree falls down in your house, you'll wake up to the people you've never met who are your neighbors with a chainsaw, you know, to help repair it. And I think that's, that's when I was like in that introspective moment of, well, maybe I could do videos and maybe I could tell stories that the real, well, some of the first videos I did was about how Texas is misunderstood because very often the loudest voices in the world are the stupidest. And right now, so much in the last sort of like since about 2014, 2015 in the media has all been about let's tear people down and drive them apart because when people uh, have fear, they consume. And when they have fear, They'll, they'll vote a certain way. They'll, even in the face of everything telling them something different, if they're afraid, you, you've got them. And so, you know, bearing in mind that there's that, and then everyone's like, oh, Texas, what a disaster, this place. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You've got Texas completely wrong. And I did a video which was about, you know, I was just, I literally had a meeting about this earlier, and I asked the same question. I'll ask you, do you know what the official state motto of Texas is? Oh, uh, come and get it. See, all right, that was a top one. A lot of people were like, come and get it. Other people were like, don't mess with Texas. Oh, you know, things like That's that. That's the litter patrol. Right, exactly, <laughs> right? But it's like, but people take that almost as like a dare. Uh, the actual state motto of Texas is friendship. Oh, interesting. And, and that derives from the native, the native people, the Caddo Nation. Um, their word for this area, basically the, the word friend was sort of Tejas or something like that. And that basically became, basically Texas literally means friendship. And that's kind of what boils down Texas is it is that it really is. And, you know, and I was like, it like the example I always do to people is that you could meet someone that fundamentally in every way disagrees with the way you live your life, be it politically or whatever, but they wouldn't bring that up. That would be rude. They'll, <laughs> they'll bring you into their home. They'll talk about everything else. They'll feed you. They'll give you a beer and you just have a good time. And it's like, well, that, that don't matter. We don't need to talk about that. It's like, you know, it's like, but, so that's kind of what I did with my videos is I realized that everyone else is taking care of the, um, the negative BS. I'm uh, I'm going to talk about the things we can all agree on, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like everyone loves to watch football and everyone likes to eat good food. Everyone likes to talk about Texas and go on a drive and meet people. And how do you smoke your meat? And like, oh, do you like brisket? What type of brisket do you like? And there's all these things that bring us together. And that's something that I discovered traveling the world that, People, you know, in every country, don't get me wrong, every country I've lived in, there's always been that element of like, this country's for us and everyone else can get out. And I'm like, that's without fail. Every country is the same. But the thing that was really eye-opening to me is that it doesn't matter if I'm in on the side of a mountain in Nepal. It doesn't matter if I'm sort of walking through sort of like this small area in, in, in Mumbai. I'm in Oman and, and suddenly I'm sitting on the floor with this guy's entire family and we're all eating together. Everyone, different religions, different experiences, different countries. But what are the things we all have in common? Family, food, friendship, fun. All of these things. Even if, you know, like I said, people in the middle of Afghanistan, people that are just, just couldn't be more removed from, from what uh, someone from Texas is. Trust me, you guys could sit down and not communicate, but you could communicate through a love of food and love of sports. And there's so much that we have in common with each other that we're all forgetting it. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like, so much of this, like I said, this fear 
which makes people money. It's just for them. It's just, it, it, we're all being exploited. Oh, 100%. And I, we need to know, we need to remember that we're all just human beings on the same adventure. I mean, the thing is like we're built for connection. I so agree. connection overcomes fear so much of the time, mm -hmm. especially depending on the context or the circumstance. And I found that a lot with RV travel, that it didn't matter where I was and what park, if people were constantly, you know, asking or trying, offering help, offering advice, just, you know, watching out for things. I mean, it was this whole little community, tiny community, right? And it was because we were all had a similar thing. We were all RVing together. Yeah. We were all on the road. We all had to rely, oh, you know, I, I, my hose isn't working or this isn't, you know, and someone would come over and, you know, it just, my jack is stuck, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you really realize it really gave me um, it gave me such a renewed sense of hope about our country doing that because I felt like you if faith you watch, in humanity yeah if you yeah. watch the news you think like oh everyone's you know we're all divided but to be honest there are more people that are middle of the road yeah and there are more people that are like really all we do want to do is connect and care and like share stories and 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 just have that community sense of community and i think you hit the nail on the head because when you when i was talking about fear and you said the same thing is that when you are afraid you put your walls up and you stay home mm -hmm. and it's like this is my castle and it's like well like we're saying is no go out on the adventure like the thing that you all had in common is you're all on the rv adventure mm -hmm. same thing when you're on a gap year you're on a gap year you're 18 years old you're lost okay well you go and stay in a hostel well everyone else in that hostel is doing the same thing sure that guy's from johannesburg and that guy's from melbourne and this guy's from paris but you're all doing the same thing. So now let's talk about that and go on the adventure yeah. together and look, watch each other's backs. You know, should we go in this together? And it's like, it changed my little brother. Like he went, he did a three month trip from the north of um, Australia down to the south. So all on the east coast, mm -hmm. there's a thing called the magic bus. Mm -hmm. So you get a ticket on the magic bus and they're just constantly running basically. And you can just hop on, hop off wherever you want, whenever you want. And so my brother had a ticket into Australia on this date. And three months later, he had a ticket out. And he had a lot of fear in his life. And, and he, you know, we almost had to, as a family, push him out the door. Bye. Bye, buddy. Bye. Change the locks. And yeah, yeah. Not coming back, buddy. You can come back in three months. And he came back a completely different human being with so much confidence. And he had just lived a life and he'd done things I would never do. You know, he got his paddy diving certificate. He's 30, 40 feet underwater. It's pitch black and he has to do a lost regulator drill. I'm like, nope. I'm good, buddy. Yeah. You know, but then I'm like bungee jumping and things like that. But he comes back just filled with confidence because. Well, and, and the thing is, is like to be adventurous or to travel, you don't have to do all the things like, mm -hmm. you know, I will never sky. I will never jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Oh, I'm dying. That I, is, I, that's top of my list of things oh, I want to do. No. I haven't done it. No, but one thing on my list, like I think for me, I'm always I lean into curiosity. I'm just really curious about things. And so my latest curiosity slash obsession for my future rich life is that I want to, I watched these people. I have uh, some other um, YouTubers. They, they do, they start an RV travel. Now they live full time in a catamaran, that sort of thing. Oh yeah. Um, the, the vagabond life. Yeah. And I love, okay. So RV life's great, but what would be better be on a, like on a boat with lots of water yeah. and like you're not next to your neighbors and I, oh, that'd be nice. No, for real. Like we used to do them. So there's one of the shows I used to do was right this minute viral video shows. So we used to cover people like that and they got into that point of they, they didn't know how to sail and they just bought themselves a boat and they started sort of doing videos, but it's now got to the point of because of their followers, they've bitten, they've bought because the money they make, a, a top of the range catamaran yeah. and this is what they do. Yeah. And it's like hundred percent. I said to my missus, I was like, look, if it all goes tits up, sorry, but if it does, is is like I would love to do what you've just done. Yeah, you know, America is a country that you can explore and, on the road. And the thing is, like, we don't have to limit ourselves. So, like, do I know how to sail? No, I love boating. I've always loved boating. I had to learn. Yeah, but you can learn. So I did. I signed up for classes in Pensacola in December to go learn how to sail. Just start the because you know I'm not gonna be able to afford this catamaran right <laughs> for more years. But I want to sail to the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing that would be so cool to do. And I, I just think that, um, like, the more encouragement of, like, yeah, getting out, whether it's train, plane, automobile, bicycle, motorcycle, hot air balloon, whatever, yeah. like, get out there and do it. Because it's the, the fact of taking that risk, getting past your fear, just be curious, leaning into your curiosity about life. And that's going to bring you so many experiences. Yeah, is it so. not, is it Walt Whitman? Is it be curious, not judgmental? Mm, yeah. Know, I think that's, I think, uh, and I got that from Ted Lasso, which is the greatest television show ever made. <laughs> um, he is my spirit animal. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that is the simplest way of putting it is, is just be curious, not judgmental because you suddenly, 
by just being a little bit open, you're gonna you're gonna meet people. I've got a question for you, actually. I'm interested. So you've done some world travel as well, mm -hmm. okay? Because people always ask me this question. I've got my own answer. What are your top three countries? It doesn't have to be in a specific order. Oh, so I haven't done a ton. Um, mostly it was in Europe. Um, I hmm, top country. See, people ask me this in the U.S. and I have an answer. Uh, I was on the Basque Coast, which was really gorgeous. Yeah. I would love to go back there. Um, I didn't get to stay in Spain. I did most of my travel in in France, which was fine. Uh, but I actually, I always flew through the U.K. Mm -hmm. from you know Heathrow or to Gatwick Heathrow, whatever, so on my done, way. Never done the U.K. So so I'm again another obsession, boating related, is I'm obsessed with narrow boats on the cut, cruising the cut. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I want to go over there and rent one. And do like a Go ten day up and down the canals, yeah, yeah, which yeah. would be really cool. That would be, I mean, a canal boat. That's a lovely. That's a kind of like it's really quaint. Yeah, it's and four it, knots. Yeah, like exactly, you, and it's dead straight. Yeah, and there's no waves to deal with. No, yeah, it's, it's, and they just and stop pubs. next to a pub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, we're vibing on we, this yes. one. A hundred percent. Yeah, so, Scotland would be. Like, that's the next bucket trip for me. I want to go to Fife. I want to play golf, and I have a lady in scotland in edinburgh bro, edinburgh yeah, edinburgh yeah. <laughs> edinburgh um who teaches me scottish fiddle tunes. Oh, so by the cool. time i go over there i'll be able to do sessions with her we, uh, which will be really fun we just did it a year ago so like i was saying just after the show died um we already had this it's the longest vacation i'd had for 10 years because i had no time off work so we booked a two-week vacation but we um it was london landed in london hammered london did two days in paris hammered paris and then it was um bath and then it was um, Glasgow, Glencoe, Edinburgh, York. We just so I'd never really done Scotland either. I'd been there a couple of times, but I'd never actually done it. Um, the road to Glencoe, um, I started crying. It was the most one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. We were up there. It's like the summer solstice. So I remember we got to Glasgow and we're like, let's go get a bite to eat. And the pub was closed. They're like, yeah, it's ten forty-five at night. And we're like, what? It looks like it's four p.m. So. But we did this this Glencoe drive. It's a very famous road. If you've ever seen um, the movie Skyfall, James Bond, he's standing, and it's just the, oh, it's yeah. it's the Highlands. It's mm -hmm. just magical. And um, my wife and I, we were just like, we've seen a lot, and that's top notch, like absolutely mind blowingly awesome. So yeah, that's that's something I would recommend for sure. Because I it's it's weird to think, and that's Texas that did that actually, because in the UK, Scotland is so far away. Oh my God, it's like four and a half hours away. How, what am I going to do? Go all the way there. When I lived in Singapore, there's, it's a 40 mile country, right? And there was a part, the other side of the town, Tampanez, the other side. We're like, what am I going to go all, that's 25 minutes away. I don't have that kind of time. When you live in a place like Texas, where, you know, down the road is an hour away. It's like, oh, a little bit of a drive is three hours. And so, like, oh, it's a ways away. Oh, that's seven hours. <laughs> it's um, that suddenly Scotland seemed like it was just there. Yeah. So even my family in the UK were like, you guys are going to Scotland tomorrow? Like, yeah, why? Because it's just there. It's right there. Yeah. And it just, it, you know, that if you take your Texas perspective of things and take it out into the world, you guys are going to go on an amazing adventure. Oh, amazing. And just like a, a quick note on that reminded me of a story. Uh, I lived in New York for a long time in Brooklyn. Mm. And I remember talking to this older gentleman and I was like, so when do you go to, they call Man Manhattan the city. Yeah. When do you go to the city? Why would I ever go to the city? I've never been to the city. I have everything I need here in Brooklyn. It's wild. I was like, you've never, you're 70 and you've never been to Manhattan. It's right it's there. Right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you could get on that train. You could be there in eight minutes. <laughs> I know. Well, maybe not eight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So um, back to Texas travel, like um, where, where, where are you now with the Englishman in Texas? Where are you? What's your vision? Can you share? Yeah, absolutely. I I have just... So and also, I want to know your favorite place to travel in Texas, okay. if you have one, because it is a country. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. I'll, tell, I'll start thinking about that. So, um, so first of all, so it's that Englishman in Texas. Sorry. No, no, no. That. But it's like, it's like, just in case, if anybody does want to look it up. Um, but the goal... There, there are multiple, but it's that. Yeah, I'm English. the only yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's because everyone always thought I was Australian. That's why I named it that. Um, my entire career, Australian film. I'm like, mm, yeah, sure. Um, so that Englishman has been in this, like the last year, it's been an adventure. We've grown 100,000 followers in, wow. in a year, which which is great. My goal is, yeah, if I come back next year and we're having this conversation is there'll be that Englishman production company. So awesome. what I want is like, I'm already in discussions with a couple of uh, projects that I'm trying to sort of 
transfer into television realm or, you know, even just more professionally made videos in the that Englishman realm. Um, I'm now moving into sort of like the, the sort of sponsored videos and things like that. I've got my podcast that I love. I mean, it genuinely is the thing I love the most. That this I've, is the movie. Yeah, that I've ever done. I mean, I've worked. I used to do a show for Cinemax called EPAD where I was paid for five years by Cinemax in Asia to just roast their movies. And it was just me sitting on a sofa. And then I, after a couple of years, got my best friend involved. It's the most fun I've ever had in my life to get paid money. Me and my best friend sit on a sofa and make jokes for four hours and um, just make fun of movies. Sounds but like mystery science theater a little bit. It was, exactly. Yeah. That's how I describe it to people is, yeah, we were kind of like the slightly inappropriate mystery science theater 3000. And, um, but getting together with my mates and just, we're talking movies and, the premise of the movie podcast is really fun that we can, uh, we're trying to find one movie to define each state. Wait, which one won for Oregon? Because you had Goonies, you were spot on there, yeah. but we it had, was Stand By Me and then there was a third movie I can't. The third movie was Pig. Oh, Pig, yeah. With I Nicolas Cage. It is a fantastic movie. Okay. It is one that I highly, re the thing is, I can't tell you which one won. I oh, don't no. remember. Oh no. <laughs> okay, then that's everyone's homework. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's like, no spoilers. You're going to have to go and listen yes. to find out. But no, that's the thing is that because of the premise that we have these three movies every week, that we're we're watching movies we never would have watched, and we're re-examining re movies we thought we knew. But because it's the podcast, and you know, you're watching it for the first time again, and it's just there's been so many times that we're like, you know, I I forgot how great this movie was. I forgot, yeah. you know, the yeah. the experience of of what this. I kind of feel like it was Goonies, but the thing is, it was a really tough week because all three of those movies were shot on location. You know, because there's an interesting thing is sometimes a movie that's so well known for like being Texas, uh, Hell or High Water. Mm -hmm. That is an amazing movie. Or even uh, No Country for Old Men, both technically shot in New Mexico. Mm. But they are very Texas movies, you know. So you get into that kind of discussion. But yeah, that's been like the fun part of me is that I'm 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 traveling the country right now via movies. You know, so I'm kind of RVing around the uh, around the country, I but we're that. doing it through through the medium of movies. And um Next week is going to be really fun as well. Um, when is this? When is your episode drop for this? So we are well. We're launching uh, September fourteenth, but um, this episode it might be the third. Same. So it might be a few, you know, three or four weeks from now. Oh, I tell you what. Okay, then we'll go back and listen because the this okay. week um, I'm excited that we're having our first challenge episode. So um, we we started with California because there's some states where it's like four thousand movies. Yeah. You know, and you can't. That's why I love that the discussion will always keep going. But we've got um, a friend of mine from TV. We've got um, Carrie Byron from Mythbusters nice. is coming on the show this week. And like she loves movies too. And I'm like, the movies that we're going to get into, I'm genuinely like, is it Saturday yet? So we can record this podcast because I want to talk about movies right now. So that's that's been the thing that I think has surprised me is that while I, you know, mourned for a while, you know, oh, my God, my TV career, what, where is it going? What's it doing? Is it ever going to come back? I'm now just doing this thing that just brings me so much joy. And I go, oh, maybe I can do this. You know, if I could be doing that movie podcast and talking about movies for the rest of my life, I'm like, cool, <laughs> happiest guy in the world. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. And also, like, a lot of the movies that you're talking about were in a time when they were in the theater only. There wasn't, you know, it's like now we're streaming. We have all these reality shows. We have mm -hmm. all these, you know, different shows. But, like, to just focus on movies, just focus on, like. It's fun. Yeah. It, it's it's a fun, simple premise to explain to people. It. And it's like, it's a fun conversation. So, Brilliant. But it's also like because I have this love for America, you know, I believe in the idea of America and I think it's like it's a wonderful, wonderful country. It's not perfect, but I'll spoiler a lot. Every country I've ever been to, none of them were perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there's always room to learn and grow, but it's just you've got such interesting natural beauty as well. And like the the thing a lot of foreigners don't understand about America is how each country, sorry, each state is like its little country. I was they, just going to say. It's so different. Yeah. You know, it's not just America. It's it's like these they're all working together. That's what people it always killed me and people will be like, yeah, I've seen America. I was in New York and I'm like, that is mm -hmm. not even I mean, it's just not even scratching the surface. I say the same thing in, in regarding um, China. China is a fascinating country. Um, what really blows my mind about China is that it's been China, the country for 46 centuries. Mm. You know, China, the country is older than some people think the world is, you know, and it's just like to think that. You know, you guys are such a young country. You guys are like the new kids on the block. You're like 400 years old. And then you got, you know, the UK, we've got thousands of years of history. But when you look at China as just China for 46 centuries, what? So, and I, I was really lucky that I did Lonely Planet China. Um, so I got to go, I've been to Nanjing, Chengdu, Beijing, Shanghai. 
Um, then I was born in Hong Kong. I've been to Shenzhen as well. I've been to that. I'm like, if you think America's varied, you need to go to China. I mean, they've got something like a hundred actual different ethnic groups in China. It's not just Chinese people. Yeah. You know, and, you know as much as the country does is tried to be run like a monolith. When you get out, every I mean, I, like Nanjing, spectacular. It's still got the old city wall goes around it. Mm. Um, Chengdu has this vibe. I can't even put my finger on it. You have to go to understand. Why is this place so cool, but so like utilitarian? Beijing, I'm standing in, in uh, Tiananmen Square and I'm staring at the Forbidden City. It's in front of me and that's thousands of years old. And then I look to my left and right next to me there is this sort of like, you know, that fascinating communist architecture of the 1950s and 60s, that sort of utilitarian, almost Soviet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then literally right next to that because of the 2008 Beijing Olympics is some building from the future. And I'm like, wow, there's not many places in the world where you can That's wild. Like, see three different types of like history right there in front of you. Yeah. You know, it's like, so I've always been like fascinated by China by saying the same thing. It's like, oh, you've been to Beijing? Cool. I mean, you've seen Beijing. You haven't seen China. Mm -hmm. You know, even I haven't. And I've been to a lot of places. I go, I know nothing about China is what I know. Yeah. I feel like um, there's no way you could be bored if you really lean into travel and lean into really, you know, really like my favorite thing is I. So I don't do tourist activities. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I don't. I never did the Eiffel I'm Tower. Never, I'm been never a Paris following times. somebody with a flag or anything. Like no, that. like I always go and find like the pub. It's always kind of pub related because, yeah. well, hey, I like we, to drink. We're going to get on. Yes, because yeah, I agree, pubs are the best. <laughs> yeah, find the pub. And, like in Paris, there was this pub under like this kind of archway that like only the locals knew. The best mm -hmm. sandwich, the best wine. Like it was just like didn't cost hardly anything. It was all locals. Or all like, you know, stumbling on a place that even if you don't like understand, I could speak, you know, enough French to get by. Just I could point. read enough. Yeah. But yeah, I ended up in this restaurant. They had their, the menu was on a board and I was just like, okay. And I had like one of the most amazing, it was in the Marais district. It was one of the most amazing like vegetarian meals I'd uh -huh. had. And I was like, who knew? But I, I just think that like, you know, listening to you talk about this, it's like to really know a place you you kind of need to immerse yourself in the and just yep. and just even if you're just listening like but most places if you come to a table like people are going to see you and they're going to wonder why you're alone and they're going to want to talk to you and right. they're going to want to engage my my missus says exactly the same thing um she tells those stories about modeling and so you go into these countries completely alone as a young lady and i remember she's you know i was in athens and she's talking about how i don't speak greek and i'm you know i used to sit in this place at the same time and i'd watch she goes i just watched the locals i saw they would come in, I, I saw what they ordered, I heard what they would say, and like, you know, and they were clocking me, and she goes, over the sort of the course of weeks, eventually she she built up the courage to go and order and get the food, and they go, oh, you know, and again, all through sort of middle communication of not necessarily speaking the same language, but they were like, we were wondering when you were going to come and like, you know, get involved, and then they sort of, it's it's exactly like you're saying is, you, you, you learn nothing. If you go, like people say, I've been to Mexico, right? I have once, but I haven't. I went to a beach resort. Right. in Mexico. If you fly all the way to Thailand and the only thing you do is stay on your beach resort and sit on the beach, you haven't seen Thailand. No, you haven't. You have to go out and drive and get an mm -hmm. adventure and eat in a little place and get some noodles from some random thing and get on a boat like you're saying and mm -hmm. and um, ride an elephant or just do something. But like, yeah, that that's that other thing is that there's two types of experience. There's visiting a country and to stay in a hotel and then there's going to a country and experiencing it, which is why I like walking cities, mm -hmm. which is why I like places like London, like Paris, um, like New York, uh, San Francisco, things like that, is that I just leave the door and start walking and I just soak in a city and I find a place I want to sit down at. Like you say, I'm always looking for a good pub, sit down, watch people go by. And I think uh, that was one thing that I remember the first trip when I came to Waco threw me off, is that I'm at this place here. And even if I need to go to the place across the street, I have to get in the car, I have to go down, I would turn around, I have to come back and then yeah. go park. And I'm like, oh man, this is weird. Yeah. It's only recently in the last few years that Waco's downtown has really started like um, coming to life. You know, I've always said the only thing you could find downtown in Waco was parking because there was nothing to do. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, whereas now there's all these places and restaurants and bars and live music and food. And, you know, I mean, I'm looking out the window behind you right now, the whole Elm Street area that's being redeveloped that, you know, when my wife was like, oh, that's a really good place to go get murdered back in the day. <laughs> there's now this really cool brewery that I went to the other day that was playing live music. And I'm like, wow, look at Waco. Good for you. Right. But it's like once you do get downtown in Waco now, you can. So I will park. You know, I've done it before. Got dropped off with my cousin. And we, we came back 14 hours later. 
we walked around downtown and we went from brewery to brewery to bar to bar and then we ended up at the crying shame legendary (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. but what i mean is is that yeah is you go on these adventures when you can just you know where are you going i don't know yeah i just know when i'll be back maybe no no one travel tip i had uh when i because when i was younger and traveling to you know frankfurt or paris or uh went to amsterdam different places if I ever felt overwhelmed or lonely, I would find an Irish pub. Yes. Because every time they would be like, so I remember I was in Frankfurt. I was kind of tired, lonely. I was exhausted from traveling. I go into this pub and I was like, Einglein beer bitter. Mm-hmm. Einglein. He goes, ah, for F's sake, lass, <laughs> let me give you a pint. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to cuss. I don't know if this show, I haven't decided if the show is R or G I guess you're a Scotch egg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, there's so much to this life that we need to experience. And I love your idea that you're. I do the same thing. I find the Irish pub yeah. in whatever place I'm in, and like, I've been um, missing the pub experience. And the thing is, because a pub isn't a bar, Mm-mm. you know. It's like I explain to people, they go, "Oh, they've got bars all over Texas." I go, "That's not what a pub is." Mm-mm. You know, a pub is short for public house. It's a it's place like a community where, center where all are welcome. Yeah, yeah. and it's like. So I've been to a couple of pubs, inverted commas, you know, like they do the pub experience in Texas. And the thing that they get wrong is they keep trying to bring me my bill. A pub, you come and yeah. sit down and you are welcome to stay until such point as they go, we're closing the doors, you have to leave. Yes. Like, no one will ask you to leave. No one's rushing you out. If you want to sit so there and just true. drink your one pint and read a book for three hours, cool. No problem. Though I did find, it was actually a recommendation. Someone reached out to me. And when I was down in San Antonio, I went and checked it out. It's a place called The Cottage, The Cottage Irish Pub. Um, it's in a building that's like a hundred and something years old. So it's kind of like, instead of it being, because that's again, another thing about pub is they feel, you feel the history. You can yeah. almost smell the history and you've got the heavy un, like um, tables and chairs and a fires going and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The Cottage, The Cottage Irish Pub in San Antonio would be my recommendation because they do proper food, but they've got the proper vibe as well mm. and i was like oh this is what i've been missing that's know? so nice yeah I, i'm gonna check that out I mean, for the sure goal, you asked me the literal goal i said a year ago to the guys if i could do anything five years from now i'll be like use that englishman in texas to put as part of the promotion for that english pub in texas i want my yeah. own english pub i want to put it in like lorena texas and just have a proper english pub on the corner where all are welcome i would be down for that 100 percent, right? like a proper pub yeah where yeah. you can just hang out and that's been the definitely the thing i've been missing here i've i've had a lot of uh homesick moments from new york and mm-hmm. just thinking of the yeah, pubs i would go pubs. there yeah. yeah new york had good pubs and it's like i think you know anyway we got in or boston a big boston. irish community like my buddy yeah. was just in boston i was like what are the public is they're awesome yeah um but yeah i think that's the the There's mentality it's we're back to that capitalism with a capital c thing mm-hmm. as it's like just rush people through get them out get them in get them out get them in get them out and i go that's not what the point that's not mm-hmm. the experience and when you've got a really wonderful pub the money comes because everyone's there all the time yeah you yeah because they feel welcome Absolutely. I'm going to go to the pub now. I know. I was just going to say I'm getting thirsty. Well, oh my gosh, this has been so much fun talking. I feel like we've kind of just scratched the surface. I was about to say, we haven't even talked about international, man. I know. It's like, uh, it's, there's so much to talk about there. Well, that's the thing. But like you said, once you take the jump and you go on adventures, you come back with stories. Yes. And stories and stories and more stories. So, um, oh my gosh, thank you so much for like being here today and chatting with me and I'm definitely going to follow up. I'm going to bring you back on. We, we still have more to talk. Oh, so. 100%. And you should yeah. get my missus on as well. You should get oh, the, the Texan perspective of someone that's gone off and seen the world as well. You know, yes. she's, she's seen and done a lot. Okay, wait. So a final, do you have a favorite Texas phrase or saying? Um, oh, I, I yes, know I'm I putting do. you on the spot. But. No, no. I was just talking about this with my missus. The first time she said it, she goes, I was like, oh, Zen, do you want to go out? She goes, makes me know, never mind. <laughs> and I went, What? What? It makes me know, never mind. And it like grammatically makes no sense, whatever. I say it all the time now. You know, <laughs> fast forward 18 years. What do you want to do? It makes me know, never mind. Oh my gosh, it's I like, love that. Yeah, that's, that's, so that's a good one. I say that, like I do have a few Texasisms what I say, but that's the one that I was literally just talking to my missus about going, I can't believe I say that because it's still total nonsense to me. <laughs> but people understand when I say it. But we do. It's so, my dad's from Texas. He's from Whitney. So um, he, I, one of these days, I really need to get a book and write down all his sayings because he'll come out out of the blue sometimes with a saying. I'll be like, what? In yeah. the, I've never heard this. And it's, then he just kind of smirks. He goes, eh, and yeah. walks away. My missus does the same. It's like, that's lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. Right. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, I see that. That's quite literally very low. You know, it's a, it's it's raining like a cow pissing on a flat rock. I yes. Go, that's very evocative, but also 
very accurately descriptive. That's exactly how it is raining. So Texans, you guys do have a funny way of putting things, but they're always oh quite a, quite lyrical and magical. Yes. my Yeah, my dad, his the one that floored us once uh, when I was younger, he was like, hmm, well, the thing's shaking like a dog pooping peach pits. <laughs> <laughs> and we we're all like, what? And he just walks away and just smirks and walks yeah. away. And we're like, well, I guess it, I don't know. I've never seen one. <laughs> Happier than a puppy with three peckers. <laughs> it's just like it, it's go just, on and on there yeah. are so many yeah. but yeah that's that's such a texan thing and like oh, of uh, yeah it. you should uh, absolutely write all of yeah i need to i yeah. need to <laughs> well how tell me how people can find you on on your channel that englishman in texas yeah. and uh, that's uh, it i mean if you can find me either as ollie pettigrew which is just o-l-i ollie and pettigrew p-e-t-t-i-g-r-e-w if you've ever read harry potter um peter pettigrew and then uh yes at that englishman in texas uh and then you can find uh, the movie podcast that i do here with rogue media as well is this the united states of a movie podcast i'm excited i'm gonna like catch up on it. it's gonna give me an excuse to look you know watch some of these i haven't I don't even remember all of Goonies from way back. So See, this like, is what I need to... brings me a lot of joy that even friends and friends and friends have been reaching out going because they listen to the podcast and they're like saying, I've started watching the movies along with you guys. And it's like, that makes me very happy because <laughs> people awesome. are like, this movie's really good. Like, right? I know. I agree. Some of them are terrible, but that's also really fun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, thanks, Ollie, so much. My absolute um, pleasure. See you again soon, hopefully. And 100%. good luck with everything. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, cheers. You can find Flipping Dreams podcast anywhere you love to listen to podcasts, or you can find us on roguemedianetwork.com. You can also find me on my social media, Facebook at Heather Renee May, on Instagram at underscore every day is May, or on my website at Heather Renee May.com. That's Heather R-E-N-E-E-M-A-Y.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.